I think we really got something here. What do we got? An idea. What idea? An idea for the show. I still don't know what the idea is. It's about nothing. Right. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. The Nightcap. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I think you may have something here. On WGR Sports Radio 550. What is this, big band music? Is that what this would qualify as? Sounds like something that would be called big band. Hey, man, this was an open before... I made this open, I should know, but... Yeah. I... Maybe All it's... I did was kicked out the Ryan Gates part of it and it's... made it rework it's again. It's not jazz. Or is it? Uh, no. It's before our time. <laughs> That's for sure. Which is why we're having trouble here. Uh, like, it's not pop. Maybe, well, maybe it, it might have been poppy back pop. then. This is 50s pop. We've done it. We've created We've the created new musical category. 50s pop. 50s pop. I'll make a playlist. We'll get it going. <laughs> People can listen. You can check it out on my, uh, think, on my page. I think it is jazz. Yeah, this is good. Uh, turn you're it up right now. Wait, turn yeah. it up a little right now. You're hearing it now. This is something you would hear in a jazz club. Yes. Okay, I'm saying this is jazz. Yeah, I'm... I, I, I'm with you. I'm willing to be wrong on this. Okay. All right. It's, it's some form of wrong, a softer right. jazz. Okay. Fair enough. I, I think I think we I think we found I think we reached we reached where we needed to reach. Um wow, Adam Gase is staying in the division. How about that? Texters are saying yes, it is big band, by the way. From the twenties or thirties. Adam Gase is staying in the division. If you didn't hear Derek on the update there, Adam Gase, according to Jeff Darlington, is going to be the next coach of the New York Jets. And what you don't hear in the update from me is this. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I, I'm surprised that he got another head coaching job so quick. I'm even doubly surprised that the Jets did it. I mean, wouldn't they have seen... Like what Miami's looked like the past couple years. Like, yeah, they were they were good that first year. Like they squeaked in the playoffs and then they got smoked by Pittsburgh. Um but like past that, he's supposed to be this offensive guru. Like their offense was okay. They didn't do anything special. And he's always seemed to be like this moody guy that's always mad and a lot of questionable coaching decisions. And he's got Jordan Phillips, who was here in Buffalo, like flipping out on his coaching staff on the sidelines. Like, there's some locker room stuff there. Jarvis Landry. Like, you you should know something about a coach when when he gets fired by his team. All the f- players that used to play under him are like laughing on social media. Like, what does that say about you? And here's the Jets. They're like, we don't care. We're hiring him. We think he's gonna make Sam Darnold great. All right. Good luck with that. I think I'm pretty happy. I think I'm pretty happy with the fact that he's going to be playing the Bills two more times every year. I, I I mean, what was it, 20 minutes ago, not even, that I sat here saying, I want Mike McCarthy to be the Jets head coach. I think Mike McCarthy is not a very good coach. I was saying that because I didn't think they were going to hire Adam Gase. I think I'd, like, if I were going to pick who the Jets were going to hire, me, Bills fan, want the Bills to succeed, I think I would have picked Adam Gase. So I think that's funny, and, uh, all right, good luck. Yes, good alienate luck another locker room in the AFC East. Adam Gase sure. doing all the hard work for us. Especially when 
the 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 word on Darnold is that he's not like a raw raw like leader guy. And that's fine if you're a great quarterback. You don't need to be that. But if you also don't have a strong head coach in that area, I I yeah like you just said, I'm not a big culture guy. But there does come a point where it's like it's too ridiculous. And I wonder if they reach that point with the Jets. Maybe not. Maybe maybe he'll make uh maybe he'll make Darnold really good. Alright, everybody's shouting at me it's big band. I get I get it. It's big band slash swing jazz. Big band jazz. It's from Glenn. Like everyone's saying one of those two things. So I'm just gonna qualify them qualify that as both. You know what? Fine. We weren't we weren't in that we were era, right. okay? We were right. We just didn't know, I guess. We're not very well versed. Um back on the Sabres which is what I wanted to spend the majority of this hour on. We had a caller at the end of last hour kind of talking about line changes and like ideas you could do with the lines. And I'm very, I would like to say very different thinking and this kind of stuff. Like I'll be the first person that thinks, I wonder what Darlene would look like on Jack Eichel's wing. Just like as like a crazy thought. I never would want them to do it. I'm just saying, I wonder what that would look like. I had the same thought with Tyler Myers once upon a time. Like, Tyler Myers was struggling, like, midway through his Sabre career, and I'm like, I know he's a defenseman. I'm not saying I want him to always play forward. I just like to see what he looks like up there. Because it does happen. Brent Burns played D in Minnesota. He got to San Jose. They said, we want to try out at forward. Dude scored 30 goals, like, three years in a row. In the other direction, Dustin Bufflin. is like a 25-30 goal scorer in Chicago. Gets to Atlanta. Now ah, we want to see what you look like on D. All right, you throw him back there, he's still putting up points, all-star defenseman. Now I'm not going that far. I'm not going to say I want the Sabres to put Donnelly forward. They should not. I think he's their, arguably their best defenseman right now. If he's not, he's got to be, right? Who would you say right now, just instinctually, who's the Sabres' best defenseman? I think I'm saying Darlene. Um, But that's not what this is about. So forward. I don't. Housley doesn't strike me as a guy that gets very creative with that. He doesn't do a lot of it in game. He kind of sticks with the same pairings a lot. Like I feel like Sherry has played with Oposo the entire season. I know they haven't, but it just seems like they have. And they changed it up a little last night, which maybe that's why they were a little. It seemed like they had more legs to them. They were a little fresher, and I liked the way they looked last night. I don't need them to always change it up, but you know, get creative once in a while. Thompson's only got nine points in the season. You see he's got talent. I thought he gelled pretty well last night with with uh, Skinner. Skinner was feeding him. He fed Skinner. Entering the zone on the goal that, that he scored. Maybe you want to keep those together. Do those two together. An Eichel-Thompson-Skinner line. I think that's kind of the popular one on Twitter right now. Like, Let's see what that looks like. Let's see what Eichel-Thompson-Skinner looks like. All right. Kind of get Thompson going. You could do it with Middlestat too. I think they probably want to keep Middlestat at center, and I'd be worried to take him away from center because they did that with Reinhardt, and he kind of never went back. But maybe just see what Middlestat looks like on Jack's left wing. Skinner's proven, not just in his NHL career before this year, but over the past couple games, that man can still produce when he's not playing with Jack Eichel. Maybe not at the same rate, but he can still score goals, and he can still and he can help other guys get involved. So maybe you want to do Eichel, Middlestat, Reinhardt, 
Eichel, Middleset, Thompson. I don't know. Like, just try stuff out. They'd be creative. Maybe you want to throw Reinhardt back at center. With if you were gonna do that uh that Eichel Middlestat Thompson line that I just kinda created. What does Reinhardt look like at center if Jeff Skinner and Kyle Poso are his wingers? Probably a lot better than when we all judged him last year. Hey, he can't play center while he's playing with Seth Griffith and Johan Larson. What is he supposed to do? If he's playing with Skinner, no Poso, like who knows what that would look like. Um so that'll be an interesting discussion. It'll be or not discussion even, but it'll be interesting to see what Housley does on Friday if Eichel's back in the lineup. Because it's easy to just throw that line back together. You know they're going to produce. Eichel, Reinhardt, Skinner. They were producing as one of the top lines in hockey. You put that back together, you know they're going to get chances for you, and they're probably going to bury the puck a couple times a game. But what does your team look like if you do split it up? If you take that risk. If you split up Skinner from Eichel, if you split up Reinhardt from Eichel and Skinner, vice versa. Because one thing's for sure, they're just consistently not getting goals from their forwards that are not those three. The stat I mentioned last hour, Sabre centers this year, Jack Eichel, 40 games played, 15 goals, 34 assists for 49 points. The rest of the centermen... Larson, Rodriguez, Sabotka, Middlestat have played 157 games combined. They have 15 goals, the same amount as Eichel, and 23 assists. That's 11 less assists for only 38 points. That's an embarrassing amount of production from your centerman that isn't your top guy. It really is. So how do you spark that? Because it's not just the centerman, obviously. Like, Oposo has struggled. A lot lately. Sherry has struggled lately. Rodriguez does what he does, but he's not a guy that's going to bury the puck. He's more of a playmaker to me, as well as a responsible guy in his own end, which is what Larson is, which is what Sabotka is. Really good in their own end, but they're not giving me much in the other side. And the other wingers, like CJ Smith, hopefully continues to create chances for them he did that last night even the one even the play right after he scores he, he does score there's a play right after where like he, he gets the puck out in front and it's a great chance it's a great play by him like keep doing that I don't need you to score every game I need you to be a dynamic player that can create chances because they don't have a lot of that right now it's not on their top line so maybe Smith can continue to give you that I hope that he does because otherwise the only way this team is making the playoffs is the top line has to keep going, and they've got to continue to get production from their defensemen in the offensive end. And how likely is it that both of those things are going to last all season? Maybe they do, but it'd be a lot easier if they could somehow find a way to spark lines two through four. And I think the only way you really do that is if you break up the top line. So I, it's a tough call. I think I'd want to say right now I'd want them to break it up. I don't know how you do it. There's a couple different ways you could do it. I think I'd probably want to keep Skinner and Eichel together, so that means Reinhardt going down somewhere else. Although we did, they did try that earlier in the year. It didn't work great. But I think I'd, you'd want to try that again. Try to spark Middlestat. I think a line that I really, really like is Middlestat. Reinhardt and Rodriguez. 
I think that's a good line that could potentially spark Casey Middlestat. Reinhardt is a good playmaker and can finish around the net. He's a responsible player. Rodriguez, playmaker, can skate with the puck, can open up some space for other guys, also responsible in his own end. Like I think that's a that's a line that can protect Middlestat's weaknesses while also maximize his strengths. I really like the idea of that line. Um, that would mean more ice time for him. Because Reinhardt's generally around 18, 19 minutes. Rodriguez is around 16, 17, if not more on some nights. And Middlestat's averaging like 13, 14 minutes. So that would mean added ice time for him. I ran a poll last week that basically was asking him, what do you want to do with Middlestat? And the majority came back, or the, the, best, the highest answer from you guys was, Play him more, let him make mistakes, let him take his lumps, but play him more. Let him work through it. And that's kind of what that would be, because that's a real second line. Rodriguez, Middlestat, and Reinhardt. I think those three guys' skills kind of, you know, I think they mesh well together. Let's go to Chris in Buffalo. Chris, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, how's it going tonight? Good, how about you? Good, good. I like your uh, your suggestion of switching the lines up. I know the morning guys are against breaking up that top line, but yeah. I think Jack can get pretty much anyone to perform yep. as long as they can finish. I, I remember years where he played with Felino. He would dance around everyone, hit him in the high slot, and Felino would miss the net completely. Yeah. I think Middlestep might be the perfect guy for that. Yeah, he could. I, I would be interested to see what he would look like there because Middlestat, for the most part this year, like when he's playing on a line, no matter who it is, like he's the guy who carries the puck, kind of generates the play. Maybe that's why he's not producing as much. So what does he look like in that role where he's, if he's sitting, like you said, that Felino spot, he's sitting at the top of the slot and Eichel gets him open, is he burying that puck? I think he's a good finisher. Um, so I, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I like I like your thought process, though, here. Get some finishers with Eichel. You don't necessarily need guys that create as much, which would kind of go against my idea of putting Middlestad on there to kind of get him going. Um, that sounds like Sherry and Oposo to me. Those are guys I don't necessarily trust to create much on their own, but have in the past scored when they're playing with top centers. I've said this before, but Oposo has produced throughout his career because, not just because, he's like he's a good player. He's not a $6 million player, but he's a good player. But where did his numbers come from? You know that it was at least inflated a little bit by the fact that his entire career has been spent playing on the wing of John Tavares and or Ryan O'Reilly. Or Ryan O'Reilly, he didn't need the end in there. And Sherry, the majority of his production throughout his career has come playing on the wing with Sidney Crosby. Those are two guys... That have shown they can finish when you've got a really good center with them. And maybe Skinner showing you in the past couple games, showing you again, hey, I don't need Eichel to produce. Sure, my numbers are better with him, but I can still score. I'm not made by Jack Eichel. I'm out here with Vladimir Sabotka, who's got five points on the season, and I'm still burying the puck. Maybe that's your opening. Maybe that's your, your, your opportunity to say, all right, Let's keep seeing how that goes. Skinner, we're not putting you back with Eichel. We're going to put the two guys, Sherry and Oposo, who have produced with top centers in the past, and let's see if we can get those guys going again. 
to me, everything I've just mentioned in the last 20 minutes, I think we've had like probably a dozen different line ideas here. A lot of you guys on Twitter, Facebook, uh, or not Facebook, on the text line. And really, you never know unless you try any of these. It's vi- Like I said, it's very easy to put that top line back together. But it's become pretty clear that when that top line is together, there isn't really a combination behind that that's going to give you a consistent line. There just isn't. You can try whatever you want. You can put Middlesat with Thompson. You can, you can do any combo you want. They've done that, and it really hasn't worked when you have that top line together. Let's go to Noah. Noah, you're, uh, you are on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, how are you? First time caller? Good. Thanks. Thanks for calling. Um, no, I just wanted to point out, I know everybody has, it's fun with as many players as the Sabres have to come up with all these different line changes, but yep. I wanted to point out that um, obviously Bottrell came from uh, Pittsburgh, and I don't know if people recall, but what, and I know he's not obviously the coach in Pittsburgh at the time, but Pittsburgh, when they were in the playoffs or even getting into the playoffs, they always seemed to be humming at the right time. And a lot of the things that they did with their lines is obviously you always had your money line, which you could put your top defenseman, which at the time I think, I can't even remember his name, maybe it was Latang, and then Crosby and Malkin and these other guys, which you know you could go out and dominate you know, for a five-minute span here and there to mm-hmm. make sure you didn't lose a game. But definitely when they got near the end of the season, they jumbled lines with Malkin and Crosby to get other guys you know, like a Connor Sheary, uh, like, well, I blame him right now because he's had a lot of chances to bury it and just hasn't for some reason found the back of the net. Um, yep. But I, I'll, I'll hang up and... Yeah, no, no, no. Good, good thoughts. Good th- thanks for the call, Noah. Um, yeah, all good things. I don't really disagree with anything there. Um, at the end there, you mentioned Sherry. Like, he's, yeah, he's given you some. He's get, gotten some chances. I would maybe disagree he's had a lot of them. Like I said, I think he's a guy that probably needs a great center next to him. So I think, like, I think we, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with where we reached in this segment. I've reached a point where I think I know what I want from the Sabers. I don't think I'm going to get it, but I think I want to see Eichel with Sherry and the Pozo. I really think that if you can get those two players producing with an elite centerman again, then like that could really benefit the team. That's a big F, though. Obviously, thanks for the call, Noah. We'll get to Jason Bottrell, Sabres general manager. We're going to play that back uh, as we uh, progress here on the nightcap. He was on with Show Up in the Bulldog yesterday. Pretty interesting stuff. Like He was pretty honest and blunt and out there, and if you missed it, stay tuned. Jason Bottrell after the break here on the nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. Let's now get to Sabres general manager Jason Bottrell. His visit with Mike Shope and the Bulldog yesterday, just prior to the Devils game. He had a lot of good stuff to say on the World Juniors, as well as the build of the team. Here is Bottrell with the guys. Sabres GM Jason Bottrell with us now. Hi, Jason. Hello. Happy New Year. (laughs) Happy New Year. We were watching hockey today that we did not know existed when we walked in here today. The Champions Hockey League. Just like soccer, right? Top teams from Europe. You're familiar? Yep. Without a doubt. And Rob Ray came over and like, Rob, look, it's the Champions Hockey League. He's like, look at that ice. Not the ads. You know, you could also right. say that, but the size of the ice. What do you think about that? There, When you were playing, 
there was a lot of debate, as I remember it, about whether that would fix the NHL, right? That would improve yeah. the NHL quality. What, what, have, you, what have been uh, your opinions about that over no, the time? No, I think the ice surface we have right now, it's the speed of the game, the intensity of the game, and it's what's so difficult for amateur scouts to evaluate players over there, especially defensemen, um, just how quickly the guys get in on the forecheck. And, I think that's one of the things that you're just so amazed with Darlene making the switch from the big ice over here uh, to to North American ice, how quickly he's adjusted to that and feeling the pressure and just making that pass that much quicker. Yeah, I like that point. So it's a challenge to, you have to translate that somehow. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. But no, I think think we have it right over here in North America. Uh, You know, you look at the IIHF presidents talked a little bit about maybe the Olympics in uh, Europe for world championships utilizing North American ice more in the future. I just think it's it, it just you know the way we're calling the game now, allowing a little bit more of the skilled players to, to show off their their talents out there. It's the it's the right size for sure. What did what did Rob say? Like he, t- he said something about defensemen in the corners. Yeah, you, well, you can avoid a lot of traffic, and in the, the corner there's just so much more depth in there. I think it's really different for goaltenders because the yep. angles players come out of those corners at really change like how they want to make plays on the post and all that too oh without a doubt without a doubt how did um how did you find the world juniors like what did you take away you had you had players you had a handful of players there and of course a couple of them ultimately won gold no uh obviously being a uh patriotic canadian it was disappointing for us being knocked out in the uh quarterfinals there but overall i thought it, it was an outstanding tournament and you always enjoy watching that tournament and for for us we had four players there uh, the fact that Picard made the Czech team uh, was a huge step for him. Uh, I thought Samuelson played very steady on the U.S. team and just as was a good player for them as 18-year-old. We really think he's going to be one of their leaders next year. And then you had Laxon and Lukanen uh, step up for the uh, the gold medal winning uh, Finns. And, uh, you know, especially Lukanen, uh, he had a disappointing tournament here last year in Buffalo. Um, taking the step to leave Finland, come over and play in the OHL in Sudbury, having a good first half, and then carrying that right into the World Juniors. Uh, very proud of him and what he's accomplished so far this so year. So what are the emotions like for the general manager of the team that owns Lukanen's rights? He's <laughs> playing for Finland. It's Canada. It's the quarterfinals, and it's a penalty shot in overtime. Is it, well, whatever happens here, I'm happy? Or, like, what do you what do you do there? Let's see. Uh, you wanted Lukanen to stop that penalty shot for sure, without it. Uh, and uh, end of the end of regulation, it was one nothing Canada. I thought that was probably going to be the perfect way. You know, our goalie lets in one, Canada right. moves on, all, all good. But right. uh, no, I, I was very impressed with the Finns in general. I thought they played, uh, they got better throughout the tournament, and uh, not even having. Hey, all teams don't have all their top players. Some of them are in National Hockey League, but with them not having guys like Heiskanen, who's down in Dallas right now, or. Veselainen, who uh, Winnipeg's former first-round pick, uh, they did a you know, or Kokiemi, right, Montreal. Montreal stuff. Yeah. I thought they did a great job, and uh, they got some a, ta- a couple talented players for this year's draft and for next year already out there. So it's it's impressive for a country that small uh, the amount of talent that they're producing. I know, like there's bounces, but like that that tying goal. I mean, do you ever does your job ever allow you to like think? The sport is absurd. Like, it's off the back of the net and then off the guy's shin pad and off the paddle, and it barely trickles into the net. Barely and it's a tie in. game, and, like, you're going home. And in an overtime, Canada has a great opportunity to win it all and a broken stick. Right. And then they come right back down, and, and <laughs> Finland scores. So it's obviously, you know, we talk about that in National Hockey League so much, uh, the difference between winning and losing. There's so much parity going on. And, and in a short tournament like that where you're not playing best-of-seven playoff rounds, it's one and a game and gone. Um 
But, you know, you looked at that Finland-Canada game, great goaltending on both sides. Same thing in the gold medal game for USA versus Finland. Amazing goaltending. And uh, uh, it was impressive to see young kids step up in those situations. I have one last thing on this, and it's it's just wondering about what kind of reception Lukanen gets back in Sudbury. Like, I'm sure they've enjoyed him. He's had a great year there for him, for yeah. them. But he beat Canada. Like, is that... He beat I mean, Canada, but I think they're just, they're very proud of what he's accomplished. And uh, yeah. now they're looking forward to, uh, you know, having a good run there in the right. second half for sure, yeah. too. Talking bounces. I mean, that field goal in Chicago as well. I mean, it's not just <laughs> hockey right. where there are bounces. I, I, I like that answer about your emotions because like, that was a real answer to that. Like, this is what you thought was appropriate for that. And it reminds me, or it sets me up for a question I can ask Bulldog in three years when his son is playing for the Flyers when he wants to have happen. <laughs> What he wants to have happen when the Flyers lot, are in town. It's, it's going to be a lot longer than that if he ever gets there. Okay, okay. Well, let's talk about that. Now, you have Lukanen and yep. all that he's accomplished. How? What is it to, to track a goalie who's years away, or any player, but especially goalies, I think, because you have so few on the team? Yep. What is it to track that and make plans in your organization? Well, you're just you're, you're trying to stockpile as many talented players as you can, and especially in that role, and, uh, you know, you work with these guys. Uh, Seamus Karlek, our goaltending development coach, does a great job of getting out there, whether whether Lukanen's in Finland or in Sudbury. He's working with the goalie coaches there, trying to improve his, his skill out there. And then, especially with the goaltender, um, it's a long route. And, you know, he's going to turn pro next year, uh, but there's he's going to have some difficult moments and stuff. And uh, I think especially now in this world of social media where <laughs> some of these top prospect goalies, uh, it, you know, every mistake they make or every goal they let in is sort of blasted everywhere. It's difficult, and it's it's impressive. You need to have a goalie that has that mental strength, not only physical talent, but that mental strength to rebound, and that's what we really like from Lukanen. You know, it was a disappointing World Juniors last year for his country. The fact that he was able to sort of put that aside, reevaluate how he went about, you know, where he was playing and his style a little bit, and then reap the rewards of having a great World Juniors this year. What, what led to the decision to him end up in Sudbury. I imagine yep. that was something you were consulted uh, about. Yeah, certainly. We worked with him closely on that, and it's just a, it's a tough spot over in Finland right now. Like, he, he'd play um, a little bit in the in the, in the the their Division One over there, but their team there is not all about development. It's about winning hockey games there, too. So then you get pushed down to junior, and he's certainly better than junior, and then if it's the American Hockey League equivalent see, there, right. it's not a great league. So you sort of, you're sort you right in that spot where you want him to be playing games. Now, in a couple of years, yeah, he certainly could play Division One in Finland and be a, a go-to player. But we just felt it was important for him to play against his own age group, make sure he gets a lot of games. Right. And, uh, you know, as difficult as it is to come all, all the way from Finland to, to, to Sudbury, uh, he was up for it, and it's turned out very well for him. Jason Botterill with us. Mike Shope in the Bulldog at 716 on WGR. Maybe the last question we asked you the last time you were with us, like, what do you want to see get better? Because yep. the record was great. If I remember right, you talked about depth yep. at forward. And I don't know if that's changed too much here. And Now you've lost Eichel for a, a, a series of games. What do you what do you think or feel here? Like, do you think you're on the verge of what you want there? Or are you concerned? What? Well, look, every general manager wants more depth, and uh, but it's it's what's different probably from our team right now compared to the true elite teams, um, whether it's a Washington or a Tampa Bay right now. Um, we especially when a, a player like Jacks 
uh, Jack's talent level is out of our lineup. We just don't have that supply there yet for, at forward. And uh, we are very excited about some very young players that we have on the team right now and that we have in Rochester. But it's still a situation where they're not ready for to sort of take on that responsibility of being go-to guys for, to create offense. And uh, uh, it's a situation where we're going to have to try to find ways to be more by, more by committee, find ways to get to the net. And I think you saw that in the game against Florida. That was a perfect way of how do you win a game without your star player. Um, we obviously, Jeff Skinner, Sam Reinhart, our, our talented players that are still in lineup, created chances out there. Then you have sort of depth scoring, creating opportunities and stuff. But, you know, you're always wanting to find more uh, more players, more skill for your team. I think we've, if you look at us compared to last year, we've impro- improved our skill level, we've improved our speed. But for us to still get to the top end, play- top end teams in the Eastern Conference, we still have a ways to go there. We'll have the rest of Jason Boschel coming up right after this here on the Nightcap right here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Let's continue with Jason Bottrell. He was with Chopin Bulldog yesterday at 716. Here's the rest of his visit with the guys. Do you feel any internal pressure? Is there, I don't know, does does Terry Pagula come to you and say, like, you got to do something, Jason. We need, not just because Eichel's hurt, he'll be back soon enough. Yep. We, we need, we can't wait for Casey Middlestad to become a 50-point player. Let's do something. Like, no. does that happen here at all? No, he's very supportive of our situation here and understands what we're going through. And, you know, the key to our success here is developing our young players right now. And, look, we're always looking to add pieces and add scoring if we can. Um, but if you start training away draft picks, if you start training away young players to get scoring for right now, we're going to have the same issues a year from now or two years from now. So it's finding that balance there. One thing I wanted to ask you about is this this term now I hear more and more often, low event or high event hockey. Is it shots or chances, or maybe it could be either, the total in your games for and against compared with other teams? The Sabres this year have been on the low end of that. And I've, I've heard it said or read it also from maybe more analytics guys that if you have a team where the goaltending is good, this is also logical. Yep. You have a team where the goaltending is good and you have high-end shooters, then you want to be more of a high event team. So I'm thinking, I'm walking in here today with that thought in mind. I look at the stats, and you've got five players with double-digit shooting percentage, not including Jack Eichel, who's at 9.1. And, again, the elite teams are into the double digits as far as that goes. What's the bottom line here? Is the the level of events in your games, so to speak, uh, acceptable to you? Look, it's, <laughs> you know, it's part of the reason why we brought in a player like Jeff Skinner. You look at his track record. He's always going to create chances. He's always going to create opportunities out there. Uh, obviously, his shooting percentage this year has really drastically increased, and it's resulted in more goals. But what's intrigued us of trying to create a longer-term relationship with him is that we know he's all. Well, no matter where the goals are going to come and go, but he's always going to be creating those chances. Same thing with a, a Connor Sherry out there. And um, you look at our two special teams. They're interesting to watch. Uh, I think we've created... You look at a lot of the analytics, we're, we're doing a pretty good job on our power play, but we haven't got results. Same thing on our penalty killer. We're getting a lot of opportunity. It's, we're getting the results there, but some of the numbers, you can equate a lot to goaltending right now. So it's just trying to find more of a balance from all that aspect. And uh, there's, as we talked about it earlier, so much parity in the league. 
in November, we're finding ways to win those one-goal games. Right now, we're struggling to find to find ways to win those games. And I think over the last couple of weeks, it's not as if we've been playing poorly, mm-hmm. but in key times of the games, we haven't found that opportunity to get the net a little bit more, to find a way to create more opportunities out there, to find a way to get that, that, that goal to get the just the win versus, say, an OT loss or a loss in regulation. Understood. But I'm, I'm not hearing here, like, would you – do you envision either for this team or just in general, Jason, for your per- your personal preference, a team that does generate more and maybe takes more chances? I want to make sure I, tr- I translate this into the right terms, you know, like more faster pace or run and gun, anything like that. Is there a better or worse way as you see it? Well, I think what's, when I took the job and what Phil came on to and why I wanted to have him a part of our, our head coach here is that you're always trying to create opportunities out there. And, and the only way you're creating opportunities is that you're having your team get up with the play you're having your your defense join the rush and i think you know you see that with Darlene, why he's been so effective with us is that first pass but then join the rush and the fact that we have players such as bogosian and mccabe healthy this year they can get up with the play and create more chances there and uh you know look uh, it's it's why we went out and got a player like skinner we wanted to create more chances more 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 creativity out there and uh you know, I think we've certainly we've done a better job. We've gotten solid goaltending. We always certainly want to. We've I think Phil's talked about this a lot this year. We we still want to be a solid defensive team, but one of the best ways to play defense is to have the puck all the time. Is to be creating chances in right. offense. Don't Carlson. <laughs> right. Do, Very do, good. Do you feel pretty good about Jack being back? Maybe as soon as Friday. Do you, Do you know at this I, point? You just never know for sure. Uh, obviously, things are trending in the right direction, and uh, it was another positive day for him on the ice. And look, we all. We wanted them back two days ago, but uh, you right. have to be smart in these situations. And uh, uh, But you certainly see just the impact that he has on our team when he's out of the lineup. Just um, it's what we talked about before, he's done a great job this year, taking on all the hard matchups, uh, so many of the good things that our team does defensively, offensively. He's the one starting it. And uh, he's a... It's, it's, it's certainly a big hole in our lineup when he's not in, not in there. Um, and just from a leadership standpoint in the locker room, you know, the, the energy that he brings and the, I think the confidence other players get just to having him in the lineup. Uh, Sam Reinhardt for tonight, do you know? Uh, he'll be a game-time decision, but okay. uh, again, again, hopeful that he'll be back in the lineup just because, as we talked about, if you don't have Jack, you have to have the guys like uh, Jeff Skinner and Sam having strong games. Good luck. Thanks for your time as always. I appreciate it, guys. Have a great evening. Sabres GM Jason Bottrell. We obviously know Reinhardt did play last night. He was pretty good, too. Didn't he not end up with a point, though? Did he? Did he not? I thought he was one of the four players that didn't end up with a point. He should have. He had a couple sweet passes in the second period from behind the net. Um, Let's see. Sam Reinhardt last night. I don't think he did. Interesting. Does that mean he was terrible, actually? Can you try to backtrack? Bust. 14 minutes of ice time. Bust. Yeah. Well. Do you know who the other players that didn't have a point were? Gergensen, Scandella, and... I can't remember the other one. Pominville. Pominville. And Hutton. Oh, right. Carter Hutton. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, well, I was Carter just talking Hutton. to the skaters. I wasn't going right. to count either the goaltenders there. Right. Um, we got one person who wanted to get their line combination thoughts in on Twitter. Bills. Bill, like his name is Bill. His line combos. Eichel, Thompson, Skinner. It seems to be a popular one by most. 
Reinhardt, Middlestat, Sherry, Rodriguez, Larson, Smith, Sabotka, Oposo, and Giergensen's Oposo on line four. Sabotka gets a lot of ice time. He's just nothing in the offensive zone. Just nothing. But you got to put him somewhere, I guess. All right. That's it for me. I'll be back. Full show tomorrow. Sabres at Carolina on Friday. And then the playoffs on Saturday. We'll have to make our we'll have to make our uh, our playoff predictions tomorrow. Are you gonna be here? I'm not. Mm. You'll have to send them in then. I will. Or I'll have Kyle do them for you. Can't get worse. You know what? Let's just keep them the same. Keep oh well that's right. We did the whole playoffs. Yeah. Just keep them the same. So let's see. Because I'm well, just actually, one of you know those what? people. I'll that... have you pick now. Because since I messed up, you need to pick the divisional round. Because I made you pick between the Patriots and Colts, which was impossible. So you had you did have the Colts winning. So I'm not gonna let you pick the New England game because you already picked New England to go to the you know you already picked yeah. New England to go to the And I'm gonna do the same there. Because we can't right. have nice things. Right. So I'm gonna have you you picked Kansas City Baltimore, which didn't happen. So I'll have you pick between the Chiefs and the Colts. That'll be our only pick of the night. Derek picks the Chiefs and Colts game. I'm gonna pick the Chiefs, but I don't love it. Are you more or less confident than you were if they had played Baltimore? I'm less confident in the Chiefs now that they're playing Indy. Yeah. They're too hot. So, what are they, 10 of their last 11? Yeah. At this point? It's ridiculous. Their defense, like, I, I've always been a proponent their, their defense was going to be at least average. Can I say they're good? Like, are they good on defense? Maybe above I, average. I don't know that they have a lot of great talent outside of Darius Leonard, but... It just seems like they Malik Hooker. Yeah, that's right. He's he's really good. He's a he's a talent. Like those two are great, but the rest like there's not a. They kind of reminds me of the Bills. They don't have these superstars on defense, but they're they're play they're like they're playing well. But even the Bills have I would say more high end talent than the Colts yeah. do on do defense. So? Yeah, high end. It's not like the Texans, for instance. The Texans no. are very one dimensional. Like they have superstar pass rushers, and they have a really good safety in Tyron Matthew and. And then everything else is kind of barren yeah. from there. Uh, no, like I feel this, like everyone on the Colts' defense is kind of pretty good. They're steady. Yeah. And I would say above average unit. Like how many give, how many points do they give to the Chiefs? I'm going to say like 35. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's a tough And ask. I think, like, I, I wouldn't predict them to win. But Indy could win 42 to 35. They could surpass 35 points. Yeah. And I don't think Baltimore would. The strangest thing, though, is that the Chiefs only give up like 18 and a half points per game at home. Weird, yeah. right? That is a little weird. The defense isn't great. So. Yeah. yeah. But at home, they tend to actually be better. Well, I mean, the two games that they were in shootouts with this season, the Rams and the Patriots, which is like, what, that's 90 combined points, but those are both on the road. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, the AFC Championship goes through uh, Arrowhead if they are to beat the Colts. Otherwise, it's either going to Foxborough or that soccer stadium out in L.A. So that's going to be it for us tonight. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can catch the whole show on demand at WGR550.com and on the radio.com app. I'll be back for a full show tomorrow night on Thursday. Pit reporters coming up next here on WGR.